0: Well, hey, I'm excited to kick off this series, The Doubters Club. And uh, the cool thing is, is that we are all included in this club. This club is inclusive and a little bit insane, right? Somebody say amen, right? Like, like, we are all included, every single one of us, if we would admit it. Will you admit this morning you've had some doubt, right? Anybody in here had some doubt? Like, we, we've all had questions. We've all had doubt. We've all faced these big questions, these big lingering things, in our life, and throughout this series, I want to do something uh, really, really special. Is we're going to answer some of what I would consider life's biggest questions. The next two weeks after today, Pastor Dan's going to be answering questions like, "Is God real?" Have you ever asked yourself that question? Like, "Is God actually who we think He is?" The second or third week, we're we're going to answer this question: Is Jesus really the only way? Or is there multiple ways to get to heaven is there multiple ways to get to life or is jesus actually the only way and i'm going to close out the series the final week talking and answering this question i can't wait for this week answering the question what can the holy spirit actually do like we keep talking about the holy spirit we keep hearing about the holy ghost right like we keep hearing all of these things but what can the holy spirit actually do in our life And so that's what we're gearing up for the next three weeks. But today, I want us to take a 30,000 foot view and we just need to talk about our doubt before we get to any of the big questions, amen? Like We just need to talk, we need to call out our doubt. We need to talk about our doubt. We need to go to the 30,000 foot view, the framework, before we can even get to these questions. And I wanna start in the book of Mark chapter nine, and we're gonna start in verse 14. And this is what the story says. It says, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. And one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit so that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mountain, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. That kind of sounds like what my toddler's going through right now. So I say amen, right? Like, I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into fire and into water. Isn't that wild, right? Like the spirit throws him into fire and into water, and is trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us and notice these words, if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. God, I pray that you would use my words, God, that you would somehow, some way take this message and that you would speak into our doubt today. God, I pray that this wouldn't be my opinion. This wouldn't be my truth. But God, this would be straight from your word. And we believe what your word says, that when it is spoken, it does not return void. So God, we just ask that you would move in an incredible way. God, we believe you're stronger than death. God, we know you're better than life. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I want to help you on the topic of doubt. I want to take a 30,000-foot view today, and I want to give you three things that I believe we need to do with our doubt before we can get to any of the bigger questions we want to answer. And the first thing is this, is you have to admit that you have doubt. Now, I get that's very elementary, right? Like, oh, well, of course I have doubt. Of course I have questions. Of course these things are in my head and in my mind. But the truth is, I think for so many Christians and so many people today, we are not seeing faith the, the correct way. We are not seeing faith through the correct lens. I think for so many of us, we think that faith is not having doubt. But that's not true at all. Faith isn't not having doubt. Faith is giving your doubt a place to go. And this is so important that you understand that faith is not about not having doubts. I wanna, un- I wanna make sure you understand something before we go any further. You are a human being, did you know that? Which means that you are imperfect and you are going to have doubt and you are going to have questions and you are going to have concerns and you are going to have these things The issue with doubt is when you just let it do whatever it wants in your life and you just let it go and let it run, which we'll get to, it will literally destroy some things in your life. And so I want to make sure that we start with the fact that we admit that we have doubt. I love what Tim Keller says in his book, The Reason for God. This quote is incredible. He says this, he says, a faith without some doubts is like a human body with no antibodies in it. People who go through life too busy or indifferent to ask the hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or, notice this, the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse overnight if we fail over the years to listen patiently to our own doubts, which should only be discarded after long reflection. I want you to notice what he says. I get that's, that's a, a, a long quote, right? But this is the part I want you to notice. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if we fail over the years to listen patiently to our own doubts, which can only be discarded. Notice that. Only be discarded after long reflection. You wanna know what Tim Keller's saying to us as we have doubt is don't just suppress it. Don't just act like it's not there. Don't just act like it doesn't exist. Don't just say, well, I I have big faith that can move mountains and so I I just know everything about God, (laughs) right? Like none of us in this room, if we would actually be honest, would say that we have 100% knowledge. We have 100% of the answers that we want to the questions that we have in our head. Every single one of us, we have Doubts that swirl in our hearts, swirl in our minds, swirl around our lives. And I just need you to hear this. And that's okay. As long as your doubts are actually headed in the right direction. I think for so many of us, the reason we our doubts become and swirl into this big thing that they should have never become is because we're taking our doubts to unreliable sources and we're expecting those unreliable sources to give us the answers that we need. I I know people in my life today, so I I just wanna make sure you understand this about me. I don't know how you are, but uh, this is just me. I'm not the kind of guy that just hangs out with Christians, okay? So, like, I'm not just surrounded by, like, a bunch of Jesus people. Like, I have friends that are agnostics. I have friends that are atheists. I have friends that believe in crystals. I have friends that, not the restaurant, like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, nobody believes in that place, right? Like, nobody. Like, it just, it ain't happening. But, like, I, ha- I have friends that just believe crazy stuff. Just what they, I, I, I listen to it sometimes, and I'm like, I want to call you an idiot so bad, right? Like, but I have friends that believe all of these things and I can tell you 100% that the question, part of the, the issue with the questions that they have is that they are literally getting their information from all these unreliable sources. So they have questions about God and they're not going to the word. They're not going to God. They're not asking God in prayer. They're just literally, well, I got on Reddit and somebody said this, or I got on Twitter, or I got on Facebook and I heard somebody reaffirm that they had the same experience. How many of you know, if I ask my two year old son, hey bro, do you need a diaper change? How many of you know what his answer is gonna be? He's gonna say no. And it doesn't matter if that thing is dragging all the way to the ground. You know what I'm saying? Like that, He could be walking around with like it hanging off of him. And if I look at my son Aiden and I say, hey bro, do you need a diaper change? He's going to say no every single time without fail. He's literally, he, his pants could be dripping, literally dripping. His, the back of his pants could have changed colors, you know, parents, right? Like, and I ask him the question, he's gonna say no. How many of you know it would be dumb of me to just go, that checks out, <laughs> right? Like it would be really stupid of me to just be like, all right, bro, sounds good, and just leave. I have to check the source, right? Like I've, I've got to actually go and check because he is an unreliable source for the question that I'm asking. But how many of you know, there are so many of us in this room, we've got doubt, we've got big questions, we've got all these things, but we are going to all these unreliable sources to try to get answers. And how many of you know, you're just gonna be more confused. If you have questions about God, you wanna know where to go? God. If you have questions about the word, you want to know where to go? The word. If you have questions about life, ask the one that created you. And I think it's so important that you understand this, that you, one, have to admit that you have doubts, but you also, second thing is, you've got to see the effect of your doubts. I don't think we realize in the room that our doubt is affecting us way more than we realize That our doubt is actually creating things in us that we don't actually want in our lives. And I like to say it this way. Doubt will either create dependence or it will create distraction. There is no in between. Doubt will either create dependence on Jesus, dependence on God and his word, or it will create distraction. There's really... When I've dealt with doubt and I've helped people with doubt, there's really, I find, there's no in-between. There's either dependence or there's distraction. And that's it. Because doubt needs a direction to go. If you let it coast without any oversight, it'll create a life that you don't want to live. And I love our story that we read this morning because there's these three words I want us to think about. The father is basically holding his son that is convulsing and that's having these moments with this spirit, this demon that's taken over his life. And the father is literally bringing him to Jesus saying, can you help me? Right? Like, can you imagine what this father is going through? Like seeing his son convulse and seeing his son throw himself into fire and water and all it. I mean, this is a chaotic scene in this story. We don't really see that because we're just reading, you know, like, We're just reading words on a page, but this is a crazy moment where literally this boy is convulsing and having this craziness on the inside of him come out of him. And the father brings him to Jesus and says, Jesus, help me. But then he says these words that Jesus could get so mad at. He says, if you can. You know how offensive that could be? to the God of the universe. Like literally Jesus in this moment could have said, if you can, and snapped his fingers and that dude could have been gone, if you know what I mean. Like he could have, I mean, sent him off to the depths of the earth. Like he could have rejected him. If you can, are you kidding me? Do you not know who I am? Jesus had just gotten done literally healing the blind and lepers and all of these things. Like, Jesus has a track record up until this point that dude can do some crazy miracles. I don't know if you believe he's God yet, but like, dude could do some crazy stuff. And yet, this father brings his son to Jesus and says, If you can, What's so wild about this story, I need to make sure you see this, because you've got to read the Bible this way, is Jesus gives the dad mercy even in the midst of the if. He gives him grace even in the midst of the if. Because you know what Jesus, this is just my take, this is my opinion. You know what Jesus, I think, was proud of in the moment? as he was frustrated, I think his frustration was more at his disciples because if you remember in the story, it literally said that the disciples had already tried to cast out this demon out of the boy and it didn't work, which means that their faith was not big enough to cast out this demon. But what's so crazy in this, and this is is my opinion, is I think that Jesus gave the father grace and mercy because he was just proud that he even brought the kid to him and didn't give up. This father had been dealing with this with his son since the kid was little. Like this, this father had probably come to the end of his rope, if you know what I mean. You ever been there? Like all my questions are too big. I don't think this is ever gonna solve itself. Jesus this is my last ditch effort. Like, Can you fix this? I don't know if you can, but like, if you can. I think Jesus is okay with an if you can, if you're actually bringing your doubt to him. If you're actually saying, I'm gonna give my doubt a direction. I'm gonna actually let my doubt go to the place that it needs to go. Because doubt without oversight, doubt without a leash, doubt just on its own, running rampant, doing whatever it wants to do, is dangerous. When my wife and I got married four years ago, we we had a bunch of people show up to our wedding, and we I, I just we kept talking about this moment where you do vows, right? And you remember this moment, right? Like you you give the vows to each other, and they're all so sweet and pretty and whatever. But we just decided for ourselves that we wanted to do this a little bit differently. And so I knew that there was going to be a ton of people because I'd worked at a bunch of churches and the family and, you know, my wife has like 37, you know, relatives and all the things. And so I was like, it's going to be a big environment. I was like, I just know there's going to be 200, 250, 300 people at this wedding. And so we just made this decision behind the curtain before any of the bridal party walked out that we were actually going to basically do the ceremony in private. And then whatever happens out there just happens. So we literally, behind the curtain, we circled all the people that are actually going to be with us in life. Like, they're going to help us keep these vows. Because how many of you know, you can have 250 people show up to your wedding, but 75% of those people are just there to go, hey, good job, here's a gift. And they're not really connected, right? They're just there to eat. And so I wanted to make sure that these vows happened in a place that people that were actually going to help us keep them were present. And so we give our vows to each other and they were all so sweet and we prayed and cried and all this stuff. But I think the most important vow I said that entire day was this vow. I promise that you will never have to doubt my love for you. And I looked at my wife and I'm crying because I'm a crier. And I look at her and I'm just like, I promise you will never have to doubt my love for you. I promise you'll never have to doubt my love. Why would I say that? Like I I know it sounds pretty, but like why would I say that's the most important thing I said, other than I do and other than I love you and I'm so glad we're here and all the things. That was the most important thing I said because a human being, which is what she is and what I am, we doubt things all the time. And if doubt gets out of control and runs rampant and just does whatever it wants, how many of you know when that happens in a marriage, distance after distance after distance can get created really, really fast. And so I knew for myself, I had been around marriages. I had been around people that just were always doubting each other's love for each other. I, I just I don't know if my husband still loves me. I don't know if my wife still loves me. I have these questions, I have these thoughts, I have these things, and and whatever. And I just knew watching this and being around all of these different situations, I just knew for myself I am going to every single week make sure she has no doubt in her head. My eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. And you want to know what that takes? That takes time. That takes effort. That takes resources. Somebody said, you know, husbands say amen, right? Like It it takes some resources. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes all this stuff. But I'm just not willing to let the doubt go unchecked. Because the doubt is going to come into her head. There's going to be a day where I come home and I'm frustrated. And you know what I mean? Like I'm going to say something and it's going to doubt. Boom. Does he still like me? Does he still love me? Does he still care about? All the things are gonna fill her head and I know every week I've gotta make sure she knows. I've gotta look her in the eyes and just make sure she knows. My doubt, your doubt, I'm giving it a direction to go. I'm here. And how many of you know it's important to do that in a marriage, but it's important to do that in your relationship with Jesus as well, that your doubt doesn't just run rampant and do whatever it wants to do. And it has no leash and it has no guides, but your doubt just goes crazy and becomes whatever it will become. Because I'm telling you, it will create barriers that you never thought would be set up in your mind. It's gonna create barriers that you never thought would happen in your life. And you're gonna have bigger questions and bigger questions because how many of you know, a question may start this big, but it will grow into a monster if you're not careful. And so I just make this decision. She's always going to know, and I've made the decision in my faith, that whatever question I have, I'm not going to let it affect my life to the point to where it just creates a bigger barrier. I'm going to always take my doubt to Jesus. And this is the final thing I want to challenge you with, is that you will take your doubt to God with whatever amount of faith you have. I want to make sure that you understand the end of that phrase. Take your doubt to God with whatever amount of faith you have. This story is pretty wild because at the end, we see the father ask this question. He says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. And you see some frustration in Jesus at this point. He says, what do you mean if I can? Like, what are you saying? And Jesus says this thing that athletes has, have used, right? Like everybody knows this verse. Anything is possible for him who believes. Like anything is possible. Like we, we love that phrase, right? We love anything is possible if you just believe in me. And man, that's all so true. But I want you to notice the next phrase. It's the father instantly cries out. I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Can I be a nerd for a second? Can I just be a Bible nerd? If you were to take the word unbelief that he just said in this moment, and you were to take it all the way back to the original text, so if you don't know this about the Bible, it's Hebrew and Greek, so if you were to take this all the way back to the Greek word, unbelief, what it would actually mean is not unbelief, but unfaithfulness. So what he's really saying here is help the areas in my life where I have been unfaithful. He's saying, I do believe, like I've, I believe enough to be standing here in front of you saying, Jesus, if you can help me, please help me. But you want to know what he's also calling out in the same moment? He's also calling out his unfaithfulness. He's also calling out the fact that like, I've tried and it didn't work, so I quit. I tried to bring him to you. I tried the disciples, that didn't work. So I'm just, I'm just out of options. Let me ask you this question. What if your doubt, what if our doubt hasn't been turned into belief because we haven't stuck with Jesus long enough for him to change it? What if, what if our doubt hasn't been turned into belief because we haven't actually given Jesus a chance to rewrite the story, to flip it on its head, to actually change it? I, I think it's so important that you understand this. For doubt to get lessened we have to increase our faithfulness not just our faith we have to say no matter what comes i am taking my doubt to him no matter how big the question no, no matter how much anxiety no matter how much how many trust issues i have no matter how much doubt i am taking my questions my problems my doubt my fear All of the things, I'm just going to take it to him. And I may not have the faith yet that moves mountains. I may not have the faith yet that can heal the sick and believe that my son could actually be healed because I'm standing here and he's convulsing and all these things are happening. But I love what the father says because I need you to imagine this, that he's, Holding his son in front of Jesus as he's convulsing and he's trying to control him. I mean, put yourself in the scene. He's trying to con- control his son from losing his mind in front of the King of Kings. And the Father says, I Jesus, I promise you, I believe. I promise you, I I do believe, but and this is what he really says. I want to make sure you understand this. But please expose my unfaithfulness. Like, draw me back. Help me trust you more. Expose the things in my life that don't make any sense. Expose the things in my life that aren't bringing me to you. And we have good news this morning that no matter what question you have in your heart, no matter what thing you have going on in your life, no matter what doubt you have, if you doubt that God is even real, we'll get there next week. If you doubt that Jesus is the only way, we'll get there. If you doubt that the Holy Spirit could even come into your life and change you and rearrange some things, hey, listen to me, that's okay if you're bringing your doubt to Him. And here's the good news that your doubt doesn't disqualify you from being heard by God. That this morning wherever you sit with whatever amount of faith you have with whatever amount of doubt you have you could call out to Jesus in this moment and he will hear you. You can call out to the king of kings the one that bought you the right to approach the throne with whatever you have. And you can ask him, God, help me see that you're real. And you can ask him, God, help me make this make sense in my life. And that's my challenge for you today is that your doubt won't just stay doubt, but that you'll take it, admit that you have it, recognize the effects that it's had on your life, and that you'll take that doubt to Jesus with whatever amount of faith you have. Let's pray.